0: Uh, so, I have a question for you, which is why did you become the interpreter?
1: Um, well, that uh, I, I was working as a joiner, as a craftsman when I was younger, and uh, I lived abroad in France for many years. And uh, for yeah, many years, people always asked me why I wouldn't work in language, why I worked still as a craftsman, and I was always wondering how could I do that. And one day I, I found out that there was a job called interpreter, that there was a profession called interpreter. And um, my first goal then was becoming an interpreter for the United Nations, actually. And uh, actually, when I started at university, uh, right in my first or second week, someone told me as a German, with a German passport, I could never work for the United Nations, as, they, uh, as Germany is not in the Security Council. So uh, there you go. I started my studies and um, I was already in it and I liked it from the beginning. But my first goal was obsolete then and it was during studies that I recognized there's many things to do. That's how I became an interpreter. And you, um, Sorry. How, how did you start at Interpretify? It's, uh, it's quite young as a company, I reckon, no?
0: It is. I joined five and a half years ago mm-hmm. and uh, my friend actually introduced me to my boss um, and um, I have been scheduled in interview. Um, so... During the interview, I was explained a little bit more because I didn't know a lot about the company and how the model works. Um, it sounded interesting to me. I passed the interview and I was offered to work as a remote support, half-time. Um, so that was going well. And after approximately six months, um, I got a promotion as a full-time remote support at the time. Uh, and then during the couple of next months, I progressed to project manager position.
1: Okay, so do you have to travel a lot for your for your job?
0: We used to travel a lot uh, before the pandemic happened. Uh, then the whole market, as you probably know, switched to online. Uh, meetings and conferences and everything, but slowly the hybrids are coming back. So we're seeing more travel and more clients interested in doing uh, the solution.
1: Because that's that's really an interesting question for me. As I as I worked quite a lot with you guys, and I think I spoke to you quite a lot during sound checks. Um, I was always wondering: Are you on site or are you sitting somewhere else? Uh, yeah. That, that, would be the question because sometimes i i mean we can go into topic here sometimes i also have questions to people on site for example in sports events who will be the player on the podium and uh, quite often you or someone can tell me but there are other instances where people say i i can't tell you i don't have a contact so i'm wondering are you actually on site or remote but it's both
0: Um, So for these particular events that we did, I was remote and uh, there was usually a focal point from the client that was on site. So it was communication between them and the venue and the media manager and everyone to send information to me so we can send information to you guys. That's usually how it works.
1: So it's not always that easy for you. Exactly. What, what, excites you, what excites you about your role as a, as a project manager?
0: Um, well, again, first of all, it's a challenge because you have many focal points. You have the AV company that you have to, and sometimes AV companies are even split into two or three different teams. So you have to communicate with them. You have to communicate with the venue media manager for this again, and then you have a focal point from the client itself um who is not even involved in the technical aspect of the competition but still it has to go through them to get more information so it's always a challenge to gather all all the focal points and to gather all the information that everyone is going
1: to need i imagine that
0: so Question for you, and I'm gonna win this one. <laughs> uh, so, how does preparation for the conference looks on your end as the interpreter? Because there are no preparation materials, so I'm just wondering how does it look.
1: Yeah, well, as today we're speaking mainly about sports events. Um, you're right there's not so much preparation material, but uh, on the other side, there's a lot, actually. If you like, let's let's say football, we worked uh, mostly on football press conferences. Um, if you're into the sport, if you like the sport, you are already kind of prepared because you know the players, you know the teams, you know how they perform, perform during recent times and so on. Um, on the other hand, You're you're absolutely right with your question because, um, for example, I'm always asking press officers, that was why my prior question was so important to me. I'm always asking, is there some last minute information that I didn't get from the press? Because, uh, for example, tonight we work on a football match and this afternoon they had the last training, the last practice before the match. And their striker or some some important player injured got injured during the practice and can't play tonight, which probably I still don't know from the press. So yeah, it's not always that easy. And also, second point about preparation is um, I find it very different. Both if you're working on football, you know that um, you're working two days mostly. It's always match day minus one and match day. And I find it very different and also quite exciting from from my professional point of view. Those two conferences are quite different because on the first day they're talking about what's coming up and journalists might ask any question, even non-football related, whereas the second press conference, the second day, they're only talking about the match, which just happened. And uh, so first of all, To answer your question, to prepare, you have to watch the match, of course. (laughs) And then you can't prepare because you don't know what's happening in the match. So you really have to be awake and aware and follow the match. Okay,
0: that's interesting. (laughs) Very interesting.
1: Yeah, because, um, you know, um, you you don't even know. It's always like that as an interpreter, um, not only in sports. Um, You never know how the person, how the speaker that you're going to translate also, on an emotional level, how this person is feeling. You know, if a if a team uh, just uh, suffered a huge defeat, uh, there's big chances that the coach will be quite angry at the press conference. You, know, you you can't really prepare to that. Do you have the same problem? Let's say, do you do you have to prepare like that too? Or?
0: Sort of, but different kind of problems. So for me for example the problem because especially when you have a big tournament it comes from not knowing the languages Mm. um so even when the match is over and all the games during the day are done you're not done because you have to update what's coming next to prepare for that and i guess that for you um you're also on standby to see who wins to know if you're gonna be assigned for the for the next conference or not, and that's also something that I'm really curious. um How does that work on your end? Does that mean that you're booked throughout the month on a standby and uh, you have to be available, or how does it work?
1: Well, let's take uh, let's take uh, one of the freshest experiences uh, last uh, last year's euro um, which should have taken place in 2020. But because of the pandemic, it only took place last year. And we did that with Interpify. Um So I was, yeah, I, I don't know if you can say I was booked. Yeah, I, I was booked for German, French and English. And uh, then I have, uh, of course, in the group stage, you know, Germany is playing against uh, these three teams on these three days. Uh, France is playing these three teams on these exactly. three days. But afterwards, it's just like you said, afterwards from the round of 16 on. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, my last answer or to the last question. It's uh, you always have to... Uh, be on your toes and always have to be uh, keep keep uh, keep yourself updated and and follow the schedule and um, yeah for last Euro so I was booked for one month without really knowing when I would be working. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, still okay. I mean, it's it's part of my part of my job. There's also other clients who are asking last minute, you know, two days before conference, oh, can you please come? And, yeah.
0: But it's still sort it's of different because it's a different experience when you're doing the press conferences and when you're doing normal meetings um, with a client.
1: What do you mean by normal meetings? Um, press conference? Um, but I'm no, <laughs> sorry.
0: no, I didn't mean it like that. I meant when you have a schedule from nine to five and you have a meeting, well, all the all the participants yeah. are... Okay.
1: But then also, this is completely different, also relating again to the last two questions, um When I work, for example, last week I worked for a company for the works council, and it is, like you said, from nine to five. But I also got two weeks before before the mission, I got preparation material about the company, about the works council, about what they are going to, to talk about, and so on and so on. So when I arrived there, i I knew almost about what they would talk uh, about what they uh, would be talking. So. Okay.
0: and which one is easier for you uh, because when you have press conferences usually, usually they're short but you have no preparation material you can only watch the match or um, follow who is going to be the lineup. Uh, but when you do the meeting it's a lot longer but you have the full preparation material so which one is easier for you as the interpreter
1: um, I wouldn't say easier, but for my personal preference, um, I, I, like, I like football, I like sports, I like press conferences in general. Um, I know from back at university, um, from all my colleagues, from, from all my fellow students, um, you know what consecutive interpretation is. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I can tell you that most interpreters prefer consecutive. Because they say it's not that stressing. Um, you have a little bit time to think about what you're going to say. Uh, if you're missing a word, you can still ask again. And at university already, I was one of the few who pre- who prefer simultaneous. And that's the answer to your question. I prefer simultaneous in short bursts because it's uh, it's yeah. It's for me. It's almost like. I wouldn't say an action sport, but, uh, you know, it's it's really high pressure action. You don't, you don't, I mean, everyone makes mistakes. I wanted to say you're not allowed to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes, but you at least you can't think too much about what you're doing. You're just, you're just acting and you're just uh, in the thing. And I really like that a lot about it. Plus working with Interprefy and um, doing the remote conferences um honestly i really appreciate because i travel a lot for my work and i appreciate it a lot when i can stay at home do the conference for 30 minutes or how long it takes and and then i'm done and um, yeah that's good i guess for you it's the same no you you, do you appreciate working remotely or do you prefer being on site
0: um, when it comes to the sport conferences, I prefer being remote just because you can handle a lot more than just going to one venue and um, dealing with one press conference. Like if I'm home, I can cover three, four press conferences at the same time. And we had those scenarios, um, especially during the Women's Euro. Um, so for me, it's more optimal and more productive if I work remotely.
1: So yeah of course,
0: that, if you have probably big conferences <clears throat> if you have a big conferences where you will have a lot of remote speakers, then it's better to be on site and work with a company over there. Um, just to reduce the margin of error. and if something happens, it's faster for them to reach you.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, I remember what what you just said. I remember when the um, when the pandemic started beginning of twenty twenty um this champions League season, they finished it with this final tournament in Portugal and I remember um just what you said that I was working on on two or three matches uh in the space of four or five days i don't I don't recall the details, but it was something like that where I was telling my friends, man, without Interprefy or without the remote uh, setup. I could have never done that because I I, I remember I was working for Paris and Lyon and uh, I think Bayern. So obviously Lyon, Paris and and Munich traveling to our press conferences wouldn't have been possible in the space of four days. But um, yeah, thanks to the new technologies, I could work on all three gigs. Thank
0: you so much. I remember that because there was a championship in Germany, one in Spain and one in Portugal at the same time and all the timing was uh, spread out through just one month <laughs> mm-hmm. so that was tense and i remember we did a lot that month
1: mm, so that was uh, yeah also leads me to my next question what's particularly challenging for you working with sports organizations but i guess it's
0: the organization itself, no? It's the organization, as you said, and we sort of already went through it. So it's organization, it's multitasking, because you don't have um, sets of people on one venue. You usually have more than one. Uh, and I think it was up to 11. but Don't hold me for that. Maybe it was even more. So that and probably the last minute changes, because again, you have to stay up late before the match has to end. Then the yeah. press conference goes, then you have to update everything for tomorrow, which is to prepare for the languages that will come for uh, to get a timing, to get interpreters details. So you can send them the links and everything else. And then in the morning, you still have to be ready for the last minute changes. And it's... um also, don't forget, because we're doing uh, match day minus one and the match day, that means that you don't really have the rest day when the players have it. So after a longer period of time, you feel a little bit burned out.
1: <laughs> do you have, a, um, when, when you're working on site, do you have a team with you or is it only you? Or, or is it you plus a technician and some backup because you could... I don't know. I I, I know it from my professional experience, Uh, as long as everything goes smoothly, all is well. But when there is a problem, it can get very hectic because uh, the press conference is after the match and not uh, when you have solved your problem, uh, for example. So, yeah, that's my question. Do you have a backup? Do you have help on site or are you completely on your own?
0: Uh, so, you do have people who are on site. Um, and we I would say, in 100% of cases, UFA asks uh, for the backup equipment. Um, so, everything is already set there. The um, challenge here is again because you're remote and you need to be aware where the problem happens. If you're not on site, that means a lot of last minute calls and for the press conferences if it goes down even for 1 minute if the network goes down that's uh, already a lot uh, the chunk of the conference missing yeah um so yeah so when that's you... my
1: question actually because i imagine in those moments let's say there is a there is a yeah a break of of 30 seconds or 1 minute it must be very stressing for you no
0: it and that's, is. That's
1: it always a, is. Do you have a backup in those moments?
0: Uh, they do have a backup. <laughs> yeah. um, how do you say it? Uh, again, the problem comes from the on-site team. So the people who yeah. are there realizing that there is a problem because the solution is online. Um, if they don't have uh, online stream, or something like that is really difficult for them to notice and again if you see that something is wrong because we always have a remote support team that's one of um, that's the part of the question that you ask do we have a backup team or something we do have and they tell me, or I know something's wrong. You're already losing time by calling people on site and telling them there is a problem. Yeah, exactly, we need a backup. Exactly.
1: Yeah. especially when the conference has already started. It's so stressing. I, I know. Fortunately, I, I didn't have too many problems in the past. Um, one, yeah, not very much. But yeah, as I'm saying, when there's a problem, and the conference is already already going on, it's it's even to work. To, to do my job, to interpret and write at the same time or, or tell someone, hey, I have a problem, or, um, I don't know, the sound is too low or there's crackling or something like that, it's it's really difficult, it's really stressing now. Exactly. Another question, um, just a personal question, if you don't mind, um, where are you from?
0: Uh, I'm from Serbia, originally.
1: Serbia?
0: Mm-hmm. I live in Novi Sad, yes.
1: And and now you live in Switzerland, because Interprefy is based in Switzerland, no? Uh,
0: Interprefy, as a company, is based in Switzerland, but I work remotely.
1: Okay, so you're still in Switzerland.
0: Exactly, and we have a team spread throughout the world to cover the time zones. Um, So there's a lot of people who are
1: actually working remotely. Uh, That can be really challenging to the time zones, huh? And you it have can. to work late, <laughs> and then you have to stay up, and other people go to bed or do it something. can.
0: Else. I had a trip to Jakarta um, one month ago, and um, the time difference between there and uh, the office that's in Zurich that was a challenge as well.
1: <laughs> How much is it? Eight hours?
0: Um, it was seven hours because we switched the um,
1: uh, summer well,
0: Indonesia switched to the summer time exactly.
1: I think they switch time too in Indonesia.
0: I think so, because you noticed um, from March to October when it was for the second time that there's one hour difference. Maybe that's because we switched times or maybe they switched times, I'm not sure. Because
1: because I always thought it's more or less a European thing to change, to switch summertime and normal time. Don't,
0: don't hold my word
1: for it. No. You know,
0: there was one hour missing.
1: <laughs> uh, just just for curiosity. Just curious. <laughs> okay. So um yeah, one one last question, maybe. If you if you could tell me one thing that I probably don't know about your job, what would it be? I think I, I asked quite a few things.
0: Um so the one thing for you as an interpreter is that we are trying our best <laughs> we are always even if the sound is not coming in the way that you would like we always contact the person on site we always tell them um, what to improve how to improve we guide them but sometimes it's two last minute. sometimes they're not willing to assist so it depends but we're trying to get all the information and everything else that you need for the, for the press conferences.
1: That was a nice answer, but but not really answering my question because I asked you one thing I probably don't know. So I I know I know that you guys give your best. I know that you're always uh, um, yeah trying to help and that you're always uh, also I have to say you're always um, polite because I know I'm I'm not in in certain situations as i just mentioned before sometimes it's so stressful that uh yeah in the, in the heat of the moment um, maybe you say come on something like that <laughs> and uh it's maybe not the most uh, polite but it's in the heat of the moment so i i know that you guys always give your best um uh, one thing you don't know that's oh,
0: actually a tricky on, one don't know. So one thing that maybe you don't know is that there is a lot of happening in the background, even though it's sort of a pl- uh, applied. So it's not just the preparation, like one hour before the press conference starts. Uh, it also comes again uh, throughout the morning when you set up the equipment, when you do the first checks, when you try to organize the HB, the OB team, the uh, venue media managers to collect everyone um, at the same spot to do all the
1: necessary checks, mm. that
0: could be one, but I'm not sure <laughs> ah,
1: that's that's uh, yeah, that was something new that you start in the morning, yeah, a lot of work, yeah. I think uh, people people, I don't know how you, yeah, how you perceive that, um, people from the outside, they don't really see how much or how hard we work. Huh? Exactly, I mean, me, they don't know. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's kind of, uh, I, yeah, it depends on the people. Some people are really, uh, um, yeah, almost admiring the interpreter. Oh, it's so incredible what you're doing, listening and speaking at the same time and translating, blah, blah, blah. and then there's the other other category of people who say... Come on, English, it's not that difficult. Everybody, you <laughs> like a parrot. Uh, um, yeah, people don't really see uh, the amount of work that, that goes into it, even if it's only a short press conference.
0: Exactly. Did you see the YouTube video clip? And that's it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and also, another thing is, people, people never recognize when everything, I mean, that's kind of a topic of our conversation here. When everything goes smoothly, it's just normal. It's uh, how it was expected. But when there is one minor screw up, everybody will point fingers and say, ah, come on, that's bad quality. That's really, and so on. Exactly. That's life, I guess.
0: Exactly. (laughs) So the same question goes for you. So if you could tell me one thing that I don't know about your job, what would it be?
1: Well, adding to what I just said uh, about uh, the perception of of people outside of our business, I have one fun fact um, that I'd like to share a lot with people. Actually, the WHO, the World Health Organization, made a study. I was still at university when they made the study um, 15, 20 years ago. And actually, they um, made a list of professions which are the most um, which give the biggest strain on the cognitive apparatus uh, which are yeah difficult on a cognitive level and um i can tell you first one is not interpreter what do you think is the first one on this list the most difficult job on a cognitive level in the world
0: um maybe doctors no
1: Many people say that. Um, no, the, the number one is astronaut slash okay. uh, jet jet fighter pilot.
0: That was my and second,
1: second guess. one. <laughs> second one is uh, air traffic controller, which is really tough also as a job. And the third one is already a simultaneous interpreter.
0: Huh? That's impressive.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, as I said, adding adding to my last answer. Um, when everything goes well, it seems so nice, and ah, uh, he <laughs> speaks so well, and uh, and it's so cool. But um, yeah, it's definitely a really demanding job.